Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, I'm excited to be continuing our Christ-centered mentoring series, and I want to talk with you today about what it means to offer strength versus sympathy in mentoring relationships and in friendships with other women. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that there are still a few weeks left to get the early bird discount price on the 2023 Set Apart Conference. We'd love to have you join us in Colorado in June at our beautiful Ellerslie campus for this powerful event, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. It's a great way to share the Set Apart message with other women in your life. And this conference has been going on for about 13 years. And every year, it's just so powerful to see what God does when women come together with that singular focus on seeking after Jesus. So go to setapartgirl.com and click on upcoming events, or just click the link in this podcast description if you're interested in joining us in 2023 and grabbing that early bird discount while we still have it. Let's talk about what it means to offer strength versus sympathy in our friendships and our mentoring relationships. One of my heroes in Christian history is Catherine Booth. She was the co-founder of the Salvation Army along with her husband, William, and what a powerful ministry. One of the most widespread, broad-reaching evangelistic and social justice ministries in the world that has ever been. Really, it's astounding if you study the roots of the Salvation Army and all that they did. She carried a lot in her life. She was raising, I think it was eight or nine children. She was really leading so much of the Salvation Army, and she was out there on the streets witnessing and being a part of the revival meetings. A lot of times when William was too sick to uh, lead meetings, she would step in and lead them in his place. It was pretty incredible all that she carried. And at the same time, she had loads of health issues in her life, very serious health problems. And yet she constantly relied on the strength of God, and she was a very very fruitful Christian as a result. When one of her daughters was, I think, a teenager or probably in her early 20s, she was struggling emotionally with something. We don't know what it was, but Catherine wrote to her daughter these words, do not give way to lowness while you are young. Rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. Now, that's not exactly the poor you, oh, I feel so bad for you kind of message that we would expect a mother to give to her daughter or that we would expect a woman to give to another woman who was struggling. And yet it's very powerful. In fact, this was the way that Catherine herself lived. She was always rising up on the strength of God and resolving to conquer. She knew that she didn't have the strength within herself to live that conquering victorious life, but that through her, God could do it. And I love the fact that she took that same mentality of leaning upon heavenly strength. And instead of giving her daughter a sympathy message, a bunch of human sympathy, she gave her daughter what she really needed, which was a reminder to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. Amy Carmichael wrote about this when she was talking about how to offer true sympathy to people who are struggling. She said, There is a kind of sympathy that weakens and a kind of sympathy that braces. Another word for that would be strengthens. Which of the two we have to offer depends on how much we know of the spirit of our Lord. And then she goes on to say, I have ceased to ask for easy ways for those I love most dearly. I ask instead for a conquering faith, for strength and for the blessing of peace. 
One long look at Calvary does something for us that nothing else can do. Consider him that endured, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Try it, you who are in the thick of things. Try it and you will prove the power that is in it. She's basically expressing the same thing that Catherine Booth expressed to her daughter, that you don't need to give in to lowness and self-pity when you are struggling. You can rise up on the strength of God. You can remember Jesus who endured rather than growing weary and fainting in your minds. And instead of asking for those that she loves to have it easy, she asks that God would give them a conquering faith, that he would give them his strength, and that he would give them the blessing of peace. So she's talking about two different kinds of sympathy. We can give the poor you, I'm so sorry for you, sympathy, which is human sympathy. And what Amy Carmichael is saying is that kind of sympathy actually weakens the other person. Or we can give the kind of sympathy that brings strength. And which of the two we have to offer depends on how much we know our God. Now, this is a counterculture message because when we're talking about giving counsel to other women or counsel to our loved ones or being that listening ear, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, the mentality is that we need to just shower them with a bunch of human sympathy and a bunch of emotion in order to be a successful mentor. And a lot of times when we go down that road, we fail to give them what their soul truly needs, which is the strength of God. The Bible is filled with commands to be strong in the Lord and to practice spiritual fortitude. Here's just a quick example, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Or Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Or Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardship as a good soldier for Christ. And Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, can you imagine giving that kind of truth to someone who's emotionally struggling versus the poor you, I'm so sorry for you, that's so terrible, I feel so bad for you? What would be the difference in that person's life if you give the kind of sympathy that understands what they're going through and hears what they're going through, but offers the truth that their soul really needs? As women, we are called to build each other up in God's strength. And strength is not just a masculine quality. In fact, understanding the strength of God is a key attribute of a godly woman. The Proverbs 31 woman is primarily described as a woman of valor. And if you study that word, it's the same word used to describe David when he conquered Goliath. He was a mighty man of valor. And when it says a virtuous woman who can find in Proverbs 31, it's actually saying a woman of valor who can find. And so that kind of strength is only possible through the enabling power of God. It's not a human strength. It's not a feminine strength. Look at what I can do. I'm a woman, hear me roar, any of that kind of stuff. It's it's getting out of the way and letting the strength of God flow through our lives. And that is the kind of strength we are meant to build up in other people especially in other women who come to us when they're struggling. Again, as I've said in other episodes, this does not mean we don't show empathy and we don't show care and concern for what people are going through, but what we lead them to is the key. Are we leading them into human sympathy? Are we leading them down a road of self-pity? Or are we leading to tap into the enabling power and strength of God? 
Amy Carmichael wrote a lot about this, and here's another one of her quotes on true comfort that I really love. She said, many of us think of comfort as if it were a gentle kind of soothing and nothing else. But the Oxford Dictionary gives to strengthen as its first meaning. I have heard one who was, as she thought, comforting another say, how hard it is for you. But that sort of talk does not raise up. It pushes down. It is weakening, not strengthening. God's comfort is never weakening. He leaves the soul he comforts stronger to fight, braver to suffer, grateful, not sorry for itself, keen to go on, not to yield. God, make us all comforters in that strong sense of the word, his fellow comforters. I love that because it is so common for us to think of comfort as a gentle kind of soothing, uh, just a human empathy, a human understanding. But to understand that the real meaning of the word to comfort is to strengthen, and that is God's style of comfort. Corrie Ten Boom talks about self-pity in one of her books, and I just love the way that she writes because she's so humble and so authentic and shares her own struggles with self-pity. And in one of her books, she said, self-pity is a nasty sin and the devil uses it and always starts his talks with poor Corrie. Doesn't that sound familiar? Probably all of us have heard that whisper in our ear. Poor me. I can't believe this is happening to me. And what we want to be careful of in mentoring relationships or in friendships with other women is that we don't become that same voice of the enemy in someone's life saying, oh, poor you. We can actually become a tool in the enemy's hands when we promote or encourage self-pity in another person's life. And so we need to take a step back in our mentoring relationships, in our friendships with other women specifically and ask, Lord, am I cultivating that poor you mindset in those who come to me? There's a really interesting story from scripture in Matthew 16, where Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about the things he's going to suffer. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Then the story goes on to say that Jesus rebukes him for that. Now, if you look at that story, I've always been confused by it until I really started to take a deeper look at it because it seems like Peter is really showing care and concern for Jesus. He says, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And some of the earlier translations of that line say, pity thyself or be kind to yourself, Lord. He's saying, no, no, you need to take care of you. Really look out for yourself. Make sure that nothing bad happens to you. Protect yourself. And this seems like a loving, caring thing to say from a friend of Jesus, but Jesus knew that human sympathy was not what he needed. In fact, it was actually a temptation from Satan to turn to self-pity and self-protection rather than obedience. So Jesus' response to Peter is very sharp. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. And that's a very eye-opening story when you take a step back and realize that Peter, in trying to show human sympathy, was a tool in the enemy's hands. 
A lot of us as women fall to this notion that we have the right to wallow in self-pity and receive human sympathy because of our unique struggles. And sometimes women even wear those struggles as a badge of identity and find identity in their unique struggles and want people to feel sorry for them. And maybe you've struggled with that in your own life or you've seen that in other women's lives. When we choose that attitude of self-pity and sort of longing for human sympathy, we can miss out on one of the greatest spiritual tools that God desires to give us, and that's his strength to be more than a conqueror in any situation that we face. And I know for me, whenever I've struggled with self-pity and I've just wanted someone to kind of coddle me and say, oh, poor you, one of the things that really strengthens me is to remember the stories that I've read throughout Christian history, especially of women who have suffered tremendous things and were so victorious through them. They did not give in to self-pity. In fact, if they had, they would have collapsed. They would have not been able to endure with victory. But I think about Corrie Ten Boom and Betsy Ten Boom in the Nazi concentration camp and all the horrors that they went through, and yet they were so joyful and outward focused, constantly sharing the gospel and shining the light of Christ in the midst of the worst of situations. I think of Darlene Dibler, who lost her husband, who nearly lost her life, who was wasting away with disease on death row, sentenced to death, being tortured in a Japanese prison camp, and yet she looked at that prison cell as her sanctuary. Not once did she give in to self-pity. And that is why these women emerged from these incredible experiences with testimonies to the power of God, testimonies that changed other people's lives because they did not give place to self-pity. They chose to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. And when I remember their examples, I recognize I do not have any excuse to wallow in self-pity. My struggles are very minor compared to that. And if God's grace was sufficient for them in those situations, his grace is certainly sufficient for me right now. And that is the kind of message we need to be passing on in our mentoring relationships and in our friendships. Let's not stand in the way of others receiving that supernatural enabling power of God to be more than a conqueror just because we want to be seen as someone who offers human sympathy. Now, I will say, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, if someone comes to you in a dangerous situation, if they're being abused and their personal safety is being threatened, there is definitely going to be more needed than just this message of be strong in the Lord. They do need to be strong in the Lord, but oftentimes you will need to help them get out of that situation or at least get help for their situation. But if we are talking about struggles that women often face with just emotional issues, insecurity, fear, sinful strongholds, being offended from something somebody did to them. Those are oftentimes the struggles that women will come to you with. And rather than coddling that, rather than just being the shoulder to cry on, are you willing to give them that boost of strength that comes from the truth of God's word? Are you willing to point them back to the enabling grace and power of God and give them the kind of sympathy that braces, that strength? rather than weakens. There is a big difference between encouraging someone to just 
buck up and have good human willpower and just just set their mind to it and do it, you know, push through whatever they're struggling with. That's not really what we're talking about here. What we're trying to encourage in other people's lives is spiritual fortitude. Spiritual fortitude means coming to the end of your own strength. It's not a matter of human willpower. It's coming to the end of your own strength, laying your weakness at the feet of Jesus and declaring, Lord, I can't, but you can in every challenge that we face. So let's encourage those who come to us to rise up on the strength of God and embrace that spiritual fortitude that is available to each one of us when we go to God for it. I'd like to give you a few practical ways to offer God's strength versus human sympathy. Now, as a reminder, self-pity may seem like the best way to be a good friend, but those who come to us do not need self-pity. It's a very dangerous sin, and it's a tool in the enemy's hands. What they need is to tap into the amazing grace of God to equip them to do what they cannot do in their own strength. So don't stand in the way of God's training ground in their lives. Like Amy Carmichael said, I'm not praying that their lives would become easier. I'm praying that they would gain a conquering faith. And as women and as mentors, we can be their champions as they learn how to become strong in the Lord and how to become more than a conqueror. So here are some things that have really helped me in offering that kind of strength versus human sympathy. The first one is to prepare my own soul. I love what C.T. Studd said. He was such a fiery missionary and preacher. He said, don't go into your study and prepare a sermon. That's nonsense. Go into your study to God and get so fiery that your tongue is like burning coal and you have got to speak. And what a great principle, because the only way we're ever going to offer someone what they really need is if we have spiritual fire in our own life, that we have been in the presence of God, we have been captivated personally by Jesus Christ, we are so overwhelmed with who he is, with the beauty of him, his ways, his faithfulness, his truth, that we just can't help but speak of that truth to others. It has to flow out of our own passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. So preparing your own soul means guarding that relationship with Christ and not allowing your own spiritual fire to dwindle, not allowing self-pity to take over in your own life. I have learned that wrestling in prayer for the souls that I'm going to minister to, even before I ever have a conversation with them, paves the way for God to do something powerful. It paves the way for me to communicate his truth in love, to have his burden for those that I'm reaching, rather than just sort of speaking truth at them without that burden of God. I have to really be purposeful about letting God give me his burden for the souls that I'm seeking to reach, because you can say all the right things, but if we don't have the love, the burden of God for those we're seeking to reach with truth, then it can just be empty words. I also need to prepare my own heart, make sure that I'm not holding back full surrender to Jesus Christ, that I'm not cultivating the wrong mentalities of self-pity towards myself. And I need to keep an ear that is tuned to the Spirit of God so that I really understand it's not me who can change anyone. It's not me who can save anyone. It's only Jesus. And I am a tool. I need to get out of the way to decrease so that he would increase, so that he would be seen in and through the words that I speak. So preparing your own soul, whatever that looks like for you, that could be a time of prayer, that could be a time in the Word of God, that could be a time of worship, a time of fresh surrender. But taking that time to spiritually prepare can make an enormous difference in 
and your ability to offer the strength of God versus human sympathy. Another thing I found really helpful is to ask poignant questions, soul-searching questions when someone comes to you with a struggle. Things like this, are you running to the feet of Jesus? Is he your first turn? Are you going to him for the strength that you need? Or things like, are you taking every thought captive? Or are you just allowing the wrong kind of thoughts to rule and reign in your heart? Or asking the question, are there influences in your life that are pulling you away from Christ? A lot of us shy away from asking those kinds of questions, but honestly, that is often what a woman really needs to hear. She needs to be challenged with that truth to purge things out of her life that are pulling her away from Christ, to not allow thoughts of whatever they are, fear and self-pity and discouragement to reign and to take over her heart and mind. She needs to practice running to the feet of Jesus and making him her first turn, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. So be willing to ask those tough questions in a very loving and gentle way, of course, but be willing to kind of get to the root of that issue and not just sort of dance around it because you're afraid it might be too pointed of a question. And, you know, sometimes they might share that they don't know how to take every thought captive or they don't know how to make Jesus their first turn. And that's where you can really take them to the word of God and show them his truth, show them what it looks like practically, and talk to them about how you do these things in your own life. Another thing I've found very helpful is to share tidbits from my own life, my own spiritual journey, talking about my own struggles with overcoming self-pity, my own seeking after becoming more than a conqueror based on the truth, the power of God, and talking about specific ways that God has worked with me or is still working with me in these areas. Just really helping them understand that this is a journey that every Christian is on. And it's not like I've arrived in this area, but here are the truths that have most impacted me or are still impacting me in these areas. Another thing you can do is explore the word of God together. So instead of just offering human advice, offering whatever words happen to pop into your head, really take the time with the other person to explore what God's word says about their situation. As I've said before, there is no problem, no struggle, no difficulty that does not have an answer in the word of God. There are no unique situations that are outside of what the word of God can address and can speak life into and can bring healing into and can bring victory to. So really allow God to show you the scriptures that you should be studying, the stories in scripture you should be studying, the principles in the word of God that apply to this situation and really go with that person to the word of God and say, let's go after God's truth together. And another practical is that we can guide them in soul searching. So give them questions that they can take before God. Encourage them to go away to a quiet place, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to let him search their heart. Give them examples of questions that they can ask that relate to the specific struggle that they're going through. So questions like this, have I truly surrendered this area of my life to Christ? Are there areas in my life that might be hindering God's power from enabling me to walk in triumph or to be more than a conqueror? Are there any specific changes I feel God is asking me to make in this area? What will this mean practically for me? Am I relying on God's enabling power to obey or am I attempting to obey 
in my own strength? Am I willing for God to infuse me with his supernatural strength or am I more comfortable wallowing in self-pity? Now, these are questions maybe that they aren't going to say to you, but they're questions they can take to God on their own and they can ask God to shine the searchlight of his spirit into their soul and they can wrestle through these things alone with him. And then maybe when you meet together again, they can share what he spoke to their heart or some of the clarity that they got in wrestling through these questions. But sometimes women just need kind of that nudge of here's what it can look like to wrestle through these things with God. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. It's so important for us to remember that we are not the ones who can change anyone. Only God can do that. But when we ourselves fall in love with the word of God, when we desire the kind of sympathy that strengthens and not the kind of sympathy that weakens, when we personally say no to the voice of self-pity in our own lives, and we choose not to become a tool in the enemy's hands to encourage self-pity in another person's life, when we make that decision by the grace of God, we will have what we need to make an eternal impact and to offer his strength instead of human sympathy, the strength that can truly set free, the strength that can truly make someone more than a conqueror by his power, by his grace. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a Christ-centered life, I invite you to visit us at setapartgirl.com and look at the many resources that we have for you there and be inspired and encouraged to build your life around Jesus Christ. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.